Welcome to New Hampshire Headlines in WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead, nhtalkradio.com to get all the back episodes of this show as well as all the rest of the great programming we have over at the station. Uh, much, much more news to be coming forth for many new shows that the station's going to be out, uh, releasing in the not-too-distant future. Very exciting for WKXL. And this week, we're joined by senior reporter Anne-Marie Timmons of the New Hampshire Bulletin. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from uh, Anne-Marie Hadley and Ethan. And I'm going to start off with a, a quick announcement. that This is actually the last edition of New Hampshire Headlines at WKXL. This is my last week working for the station. If you want to continue to get this exact programming as well as everything else uh, that I am doing on a weekly basis, go to TheNewEnglandTake.com. Find New England Take on uh, YouTubes and all the other social media platforms because the show is continuing. I'm definitely going to continue to speak to local reporters in the stakes. I think it's so important for um, just the media landscape. So let's start off. Anne-Marie, you have an article coming out uh, this next week over something we've uh, touched upon in the past, which is dental expansion for um, Medicaid, something super important. There's so many implications to that, but it's not necessarily going to be a clean transition by the sounds of it. A lot of work ahead. Yes, and a lot of work has gone into it, um, so it's definitely not for lack of effort. Um, just a couple numbers, we have about 100,000 adults who have Medicaid who now can get preventative care before they could just get teeth pulled or emergencies, so nothing preventative, 100,000. They expect in the first year 21,000 of them to seek care, and because they've not had preventative care, these could be pretty serious um, oral health conditions. So you have 21,000 people in the next year. We have 125 dentists and oral surgeons who have signed onto the program. That's about 15% of the state's um, dentists, but they're not all seeing patients actually. Um, about half of them have said, I can take five um, or I'll do it, but not yet. And the other half are saying, we'll, we'll take what you can. And, and that's, you know, to a person, that's not because they don't want to do it or don't want to help the population. It's just, you know, workforce. Um, also, the Medicaid reimbursement rate, you're, you're probably looking at getting half of what the procedure costs you. So, you know, Tom Raffio, uh, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental, which is um, sort of won the contract to administer this, Said, he, he said, I asked for level five leadership, which is to do it because it's good and it's the right thing to do. You know, if you have a big corporate dental practice that can sort of share the cost out a little bit better, I think that's easier. You know, I talked to a provider who has a two person office and she said, you know, I can't, this doesn't even begin to cover my lab fees and my procedure fees. and." You know, every every other thing, my overhead, the money, this can't make it work financially, especially in really small offices. So, um, the numbers growing. We are three months into this program, um, and the state has seen claims go up from about a one one thousand the first month in April to two thousand this month, um, and that doesn't represent patients necessarily because people can have multiple claims, but it is showing an increase in the use. Um, and there's a ton of other benefits that go with this program. You know, the state anticipated this concern on the part of providers. There's also, a, you know, a fear, there's sort of a narrative that someone on Medicaid has a lot of life problems, might be transient, they're going to miss their appointments, and now I've got an empty chair. 
So to try to you know, head that off, the state insisted that this program include money for transportation so people can get to their appointments. Um, and that could even be a family or friend who can then get mileage reimbursement. So that's one big piece. The other big piece is care management. That was also a must for the state. And so those are people who are really, you know, check in with people who are missing appointments or who are concerned they won't get to an appointment or can't find a provider, need help managing the system. Um, so those, those are two services that the state hopes will get people, you know, over the hurdle. Um, and the other piece, um, Northeast Delta Dental, you know, is offering a $1,000 stipend to providers to cover that cost of getting credential, kind of that administrative cost. They're hoping that will help. And the other piece is that North Delta Dental and DentaQuest, which they've partnered with for this, um, have increased some reimbursement fees beyond what the state said you must do, recognizing that some of these conditions are serious. You know, people can't afford to, to do charity work when they're going to start losing money, can't survive. So that those are pieces that they hope will incentivize dentists. But, you know, it's still, you know, try to get an appointment. Um, I called one North Country. There's two North Country practices participating. Um, one isn't taking new patients. One is booking into 2025. Wow. 25. And that's not just for Medicaid patients. That's for everybody. Um, just because they don't have workforce, you know, and we know yeah, that it's this and the whole other hurdle in addition to everything else with trying to expand new patients and program everything is like it's just like every other business in the state of New Hampshire. The, there's not enough workforce to be able to handle the existing workloads. You go in to get a dentist appointment, especially I'd imagine in the more rural parts of the state. I mean, you're probably waiting months at least in order to get in. You you are. I mean, there's some practices in central. New Hampshire, they're booking into August, so that's, you know, not a bad wait at all. They're the bigger practices that have multiple dentists, lots of chairs open. Um, but I talked to a woman in Wolfboro, she's a single mom to three, you know, Medicaid has covered her children's dental care and she keeps up with that. She cannot get dental care for herself. She was one of the key people who lobbied for this effort. Um, there's no dental practice in Wolfboro who takes Medicaid. The nearest two are 25 miles away. Neither They're both listed as participating in the program, but neither are taking patients. Um, the next closest is 45 miles away. And, and are they, will they continue to take patients? So it's, um, the state is, feels good about where we're at. Patients aren't necessarily feeling that at the moment but they feel like the momentum is building. So we'll see, maybe in three more months, I'll check in and see where we're at. I think one really neat piece is that um, Delta Dental has partnered um, with Solvare Health, which is out of Connecticut, but they have a mobile clinic that, you know, they do this all mm -hmm. over the state. And so they've made seven stops here um, in the last three months, um, most of them up north, Colebrook, Berlin. And this is, you can get a cleaning, x-rays, you can get really a, a wide range of diagnostic services. They've had 120 appointments in those seven days. Um, wow. Some of those are patients coming back, so it's not necessarily patients, but most are new patients. 
And, you know, that's for this Medicaid population. And that might be much easier for someone who works during the day, you know, can go after work and, and get an appointment. There's also teledentistry.com, um, which is run by DentaQuest, sort of Delta Dental's partner in this. And that is a virtual service. You can have a virtual visit. And if appropriate, the dentist could prescribe um, an antibiotic or some... Um, you know, some pain medications. And so that's sort of an emergency fix too, to not have to go into the, the ER um, or, you know, or wait for it to get, you know, really bad. The, the mom in Wolfboro said, you know, I, I have a toothache. I hope it goes away. I'm kind of just waiting for it to get catastrophic when I don't have a choice. Uh, so these are some pieces that are coming in. Those van visits, the mobile clinic visits will continue. Um, there's even a chance they may expand um, and be more of a permanent um, player in this up north. They're waiting to see. So there's, as I said at the beginning, it's not lack of effort. It's it's pretty tremendous that this finally got forward after a decade of trying. Um, it's just the pieces that we keep hearing about everywhere. You know, childcare. The state invested 15 million in just expanding the childcare workforce. So. It's, this is just a problem everyone's having, and it's, this is how it's playing out here. Yeah, definitely be interesting to follow, because, I mean, hopefully hopefully over the next year with inflation, knock on wood, finally leveling out, it seems like there's a decent bit of building because of the Invest NH program that's uh, kind of getting a bunch more uh, housing, and which I, I, I see an anecdotally around the Lakes region driving around this time of year. There's tons of buildings going in. Go over mm -hmm. here in Concord, New Hampshire, there's a bunch of new buildings going in with a bunch of housing. So mm -hmm. knock on wood, it's a big systemic problem if you want to fix a workforce shortage because we're seeing that with the, the just in general with the healthcare field. You see hospitals mm -hmm. and such are struggling big time in order to just have enough nursing and the, the uh, community college system is trying their best to kind of offer apprenticeships and such. Mm -hmm. But you, you got to have bodies. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think a concern is the federal pandemic aid that's boosted up health care, that's boosted up um, child care. That's winding down. So there's going to be a big loss of money. So, I mean, one idea is just to try to get people while they're here, you know, while trying to bring people in. So can you get into high schools and create a feeder program that catches someone early and, and shows them the path to dental assistant or dental hygienist. We have training pro one training program here for that. So I think it's got to be a two-prong effort, you know, holding on to people here, showing them options, and then convincing people to come, maybe finding them a place to live. All right, I want to have plenty of, yeah. All right, I want to have plenty of time to dive into the, the AG, which is the Attorney General's Office, is asking Granite Staters to share stories about social media's negative impacts on young people. And it seems like this is primarily centered around TikTok, which has uh, been covered on so many different levels from a legal perspective in the country. But let's start off with what exactly is going on with this. The state, I think the AG's office back in 2021 started like a lot of states, began looking at social media and the negative impacts on um, young people, especially mental health, physical health. And, you know, they joined 46 other states and, you know, a lawsuit that targets uh, TikTok. And they just, you know, I think this is their latest effort. They want um, families, loved ones, anyone who's witnessed, 
a young person kind of experienced negative consequences from social media, to drop them a note, they provided an email address, they're asking you to give your name and contact information and a summary. You know, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how many people respond, you know, providing this kind of information. I, you know, do they want to come out and say this kind of thing? Do they want to provide contact information? So I, I guess we'll see where that goes, but that's the, the idea. Let's get some actual examples of what's going on. You know, meanwhile, um, the governor has or directed Department of Ed and Department of Health and Human Services to do some new things around curriculum in schools to guide you know, part of the health programming. And then the Department of Information Technology too is, is under an order to develop a website where there's resources for parents about how to manage this. I think it's, that is um, easier said than done. You know, when I was a school counselor, I would have kids who were, you know, sleeping in class, they'd be up all night on their phone and I talked with them and their parents about, you know, taking away at night, putting it in another place. And parents would say, but that's their alarm clock. They need it. And, you know, they're sort of maybe not understanding that connection between being on your phone and what that results in, you know, mm -hmm. depression, serious mental health conditions, anxiety, the keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing. Um, so uh, increased awareness, maybe people will get it, but I, I wonder what we're going to see see out of these efforts. It just feels so enormous to me. Yeah, it, I mean, this is, it, I, I'm 36, so I came of, I went to college when Facebook basically went, everyone can sign up for an account now. So, so I've basically <laughs> experienced firsthand as a, as a young person this transition over time. I can't imagine what it's like right now if you're, uh, if you're 10, 12 years old and all your, some of your friends are starting to get into it and uh, manage to somehow sneak an account so they can post and do look around and things like that, it's, it's, a, it's a whole new world. And um, mm -hmm. like the CDC, I want to say it is, released a, a, a study they did a couple weeks ago saying the uh, negative impacts on the, the mental health of, of teenagers with regards to uh, social media and, and it's it is big and it's so difficult mm -hmm. for parents to regulate in the household unless they're like very like like all both parents work in a lot of situations yeah. nowadays like it, like my wife and I are very lucky my wife's able to spend the summer with our kid while he's on on summer break but I'm working if she was working I don't know what the situation would be yeah you're you're not going to be there you know, is this a constant fight you want to have? Is this mm. low on the list? Because these effects aren't maybe immediate. Maybe there's something over here on fire that you really have to address now. Um, I think it'd be kind of neat to see the state recruit a young person to be the face of this campaign or some young people, you know, talking to their peers rather than us old people saying, don't do this. Not very effective. It's going to um, have to be. It, it, it has to be kind of peer to peer. You know, we're talking about more than wasting time. You know, it is a big time suck. It just disrupts the school day, for example. Something will blow up on social media on Sunday, and it, it, it just disrupts the entire morning on Monday. There's, you know, nude pictures being shared. And when I had to confront a student about this, they're like, I was so nervous, like, how do you say this? And they're, they're like, I don't see what the big deal is. 
you know, there needs to be some etiquette training, I think, about ask if you can take a picture, ask if you can share it, ask if you go on, you know, can put it on Facebook. And, and to understand the consequences for someone when it's out there, it's out there forever. Um, and I just, I think that message has been delivered by adults and it's probably time to have it delivered by kids. Yeah, and influencers and, and the talent that are on these platforms are inherently, they have a financial interest in not necessarily speaking to what's best best mm -hmm. for their audience, which is very, mm -hmm. it's, you, you hope you have some ethical people to do it when it's so obvious that uh, it's the biggest creators out there don't necessarily care about that. I, I mean, the whole idea of, especially the, um, the, the young children market, like the Ryan's world and things like that. Like I, I totally disgusted what that is because it turned into this business that's encouraging kids to feed into this platform that is not made for kids. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it feels like it grows by the minute. How, if you're a parent, how can you possibly um, keep up with what's going on? Um, so I just, it, it seems giant. I think this is the state's efforts thus far to keep that going. Um, I, I hope we'll see more. Um, mm. So we'll have to check back in on that one too. Yeah, definitely. And because you know the state house is going to end up getting in this, especially over the next two years. I mean, it's important to kind of be really considering uh, what these laws are very closely with a fine-tooth comb because, uh, for example, it is Montana. Yeah, Montana's got a uh, law that they put into effect that blocks uh, that they want to make TikTok illegal in the mm -hmm. state level, which is just causing just a whole tremendous amount of lawsuits to make that happen from the, the people that use the platform to make their income are, aren't happy, obviously. Um, and the legality of something like that happening, is it a First Amendment issue? And then you go and look at what Congress is, their supposed TikTok bans aren't TikTok bans. They're um, they literally get into the censorship realm where they're trying to regulate what's going on in even the domestic platform. So mm -hmm. there's no great standard that we can follow for as, as a state. We're like, this is the way we should go. Look how well this state did with it. It's like, no, the, everyone's doing a terrible job, it seems like, with mm -hmm. regulating this. You know, and back to the population that is deciding and messaging, what is our average age in the state house for lawmakers? I mean, yeah. maybe it's 55 right now. There's a lot of people quite older. Are they using TikTok? I'm guessing most of them aren't. Do they I understand? Hope not. <laughs> do, do they understand? You know what is at stake here and how it's being used? Because if you just say don't use it, I mean, people are going to go use it. It's like don't oh, yeah. use that for your um, college papers. And then you've like, oh, I think I might check that out. Um, so it, I just think the messaging is one of the most important pieces here, um, especially if we get talking to lawmakers about what, what, what the consequences are, like what it really looks like. They, they can hear that from mental health providers and that's important. Um, I, know, I know that carries a lot of weight, but will, will they hear from kids too? I mean, that's what I'll be watching for uh, on this new effort. Anne-Marie Timmons, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Bye-bye. NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from Anne-Marie as well as the rest of the team over there. And uh, last episode of New Hampshire Headlines, be sure to get all the back episodes over at NHTalkRadio.com and head over to the NewEnglandTake.com to get the future episodes, podcast video just like this. Uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>